We're continuing our series one, real life, real people, and real church. And this morning we're going to continue this weaving, right, this weaving of a tapestry that I've been trying to do over the past few weeks, um, even though I'm not even a seamstress, I can't even sew. But we're trying to take scripture and create, through the power of the Holy Spirit, an understanding of what God is saying when he says Let, to be one as the Father and Son are one. So we continue that. This is, uh, this is the last week of this particular series. So we continue that, and as we have each week, we begin with our passage out of John 17. It's beginning at verse 20. This is verses 20 through 23. I'm going to be reading from the message. As you see up there, it's the New Living Translation on the screen. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with, with us. I love that, that it's with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way that you loved me. See, our beginning several weeks ago in, of this series, we focused on just a few points, but they're pretty important points. And the first of those was that Jesus was praying for us even before he went to the cross. Jesus was praying. He's getting ready to be arrested. He's, the, the following day, he's going to go, and he's going to go before the Sanhedrin, and, and he's praying, and he's praying for us. He's praying for his disciples, certainly, but he also throws this in, right? Also for those who will believe in me because of them, because of the disciples. So he has the, the believers yet to come in mind which happens to be us. How cool is that? That Jesus, you know, he knew that he knew already what was going to happen. He knew where, where things were going to go. And so he's praying. He's praying that we would be of one mind, the same mind that God has, that they had, that, that, that we would become united, that we would find a way to be one as the Father and Son are one. And then there was another reminder was that God is for us, that, that, that God's love for us, he's on our side, that his love is big. And this passage out of Romans 8 is, is one of my favorites. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own, he who loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. He sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. He's a saving God. The church has too much condemnation in it. There's, there's plenty of condemnation in the world. Let's be a place of saving. Amen? Let's do that. So where was I? <laughs> he who did not spare his... You never know what you're going to get on a Sunday morning. That's just the way it is. Uh, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? <laughs> no one. It's not God. You have that condemnation voice. Kick it out. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's at the right hand of God interceding for us. He prayed for us then. He's praying for us now. How cool is that? God is praying. God is for us. Did you know that? 
You know, that God is for us and God is with us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then we get to this, and I want you to join me in this, if you would. You, re you ready? Because this is good stuff right here. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. That's an awesome. How cool is that? That's how God feels about you. God is for you. God is with you. Mm. Love that. See, we recognize back in the beginning that he has this desire. He has this goal is how it's put in Scripture, this, this goal. That's a goal for me. It's a goal for you. It's a goal for his church. And that is that we would become of one heart and one mind. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they may be one heart and mind with us. And I love that it's with because we are in it together with us. And if we're able to do this, if we're able to be, become one as the Father and Son are one, this only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are incapable of it without the Holy Spirit. But if we're ever able to do that, we will become real church. Today's focus is real church. We will become real church. This is the church that Jesus intended. This is the church that he founded. This is the church that we have an opportunity to become. And we're not going to agree on everything. Do you agree with me? We won't. We're not going to agree. And guess what? We don't have to. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. We're going to put God first. So when we disagree, it's okay because we're going to elevate God. And that's where we're going to live. That's where we're going to be. And that's what real church is about. So that was week one. <laughs> that was the first week. And week two, uh, we realized that we couldn't do it without God. But the great awesome amazing thing about that is that God kind of already knew that so he created a path for us Romans chapter 5 therefore since we have been made right in God's sight by faith we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us we have been made right in God's sight by faith it's going to require faith on our on our part faith is not always easy faith is sometimes difficult it's going to require faith but because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confident and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And in Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You don't have to get better and come to know Jesus. Come. Come. It's not a warehouse. This place is not a warehouse for saints, right? hospital for sinners you heard that you know you get to come with your baggage <laughs> you get to bring everything that you are you get to come with your stuff as celebrate recovery which we recently launched you get to come with your hurts your habits and your hang-ups come because when you encounter the living God you won't stay the same because you can't he's that powerful he's that amazing transformation will happen in the encounter with God but you just come. You, don't, you know, too often we end up not coming because we don't feel like we're good enough to go to church. That is so false. Come. 
come, 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 come as you are. Bring it all. Bring it all to him. Here's the thing. This out of Ephesians 2. God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for it because it's a gift from God. Grace. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. I think he's trying to make a point here. You don't earn this. It's given to you. You say yes, and it's given. And then one of my favorites, I know up here it says handiwork. I like the New Living Translation because it says, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship is another translation. We are, but I love it, we are God's masterpiece. He's created us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, see, that's what I mean by when you come as you are, he will, he creates us anew. He, God, creates us anew. That's where the transformation comes from, comes from him. When we do it of our own power, we minimize our ability. When we do it in God's power, it's exponential and anything can happen. You hear this. You are God's masterpiece. You are, Betty Green, you're God's masterpiece, his workmanship. You're made in the image of God himself. That's who you are. That's your identity, Judy. That's who you are, Shirley. That's who you, that's Jackie, you, image of God, daughter of the king. This is who we are. Too often we set it aside and we forget and we get wrapped up in other stuff. You are God's masterpiece made to be who you are but made to be who you are for his glory you might have seen be you for him around here be who you are but be who you are for his glory and it doesn't mean that you're going to have struggles and trials anybody in here have struggles and trials well about three of you okay well <laughs> for the rest of us Real life with real people is not clean, right? It's not. In fact, it's quite messy. There's going to be ups and downs. Being one as the Father and Son are one does not mean there's no mess. It means the opposite of that. It means that we're real, and real people in real life is going to, there's going to be some stuff that comes with being real. But when we falter, when we fall short, and that's not an if, it's a when, then we turn back to God immediately. We lean on Him. We come to him in humility. We come to him in service. We come to him in love. Those are critical components to being one as the father and son are one. And that was week two in this series. Last week, we, our focus was sort of on children and youth, but really it was on the fact that God is our parent. And the struggles that we go through in parenting our children are things that God is well acquainted with as he parents us in our spiritual journey. Because he knows we face real life as real people. And all of the good and the bad and the sad and the joyful and all of life that comes with that. And we can rely on, on our God. We can rely on him to be who he is. And he is a resurrecting God. He is a God of restoration. He does the impossible. He'll restore life to us. Life in different areas. He'll restore relationships to us. Relationships with him. Relationships with others. And most of all, he brings hope into hopeless circumstances. Amen. He brings hope. Amen. That's right. That's who our God is. That's who he is. You know, there may not seem to be hope, but there is hope. And being one as the Father and one are one does mean for us that when it comes to our children and youth, that we are going to engage with them. We are going to, we're going to provide opportunities for them to raise them up to become who God created them to be as well 
And that's going to that's gonna mean that we're going to have some, some struggle points, but it also means letting the children come. And we talked some about what that looks like. And all of those three weeks was a focus on real life and real people and how that can play into being the real church. But mostly it was about living real lives in a world where Christ is not the focus and living as real people with real issues and real challenges that are going on in us, going on around us, going on, some are going on through us. But the question of, the, of this morning is how does that impact our ability to be real church? And, and, and that lead, led me to the next question is what is the real church, right? What, is, what, what are we talking about? So let me start with a prayer from Paul to the ecclesia at Ephesus. And this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I keep asking that, God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart we ought to sing a, oh, we did sing a song, yeah. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for, for the, us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come and then this is verse 22 which is this one and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way so you heard me use the word ecclesia that's the Greek word for which is translated as church it means literally it means gathering or assembly so like if the philosophers in Greece were going to go have an a, a assembly they, they were going to go that would be called an ecclesia but for us in the Christian world it has come to mean some things all of which are probably familiar to us one is that ecclesia is an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious setting so us in here today would be ecclesia the whole body of Christians scattered around the earth or all around the world is the ecclesia and here's the most lengthy and detailed, so bear with me. A company of Christian or of those who, hoping for eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, observe their own religious rites, hold their own religious meetings, manage their own affairs according to regulations prescribed by the body for the order's sake. The ecclesia. But you want to know what the ecclesia really is? Take a look around. You're not looking around. Take a look around. Yeah, if you're going to see it, you've got to look. You can't just look forward. You've got to look around. You know, if we're going yeah, to be the church, then we've got to understand that we are the church, right? Who's the church? We are the church. Who's the church? We are the church, and that's the critical piece. We are the church. That's who we are. See, Jesus broke down barriers, right? A primary barrier, and, and Paul was, was probably the most... Uh, obvious of these who saw this this way, but the most, but the primary barrier was that between the chosen and the unchosen. It was simple back then for the Jewish people. The Jewish people were chosen. Everybody else was unchosen. <laughs> we're the good guys, and too bad for you. <laughs> chosen and unchosen. Jews and Gentiles is what we would call it. But hear this out of Ephesians chapter 2. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, 
by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You too are the dwelling place of God. So one in on a, an amazing reality for those of us who are believers, see, it wasn't just the barriers between the Jews and the Gentiles that God broke down, he, and he broke them down. It wasn't just the barriers between male and female. You know that Jesus allowed women to learn from him? <gasps> that was not good. That was not allowed by a rabbi back in that day. You didn't do that. And yet, we read about Mary, Martha getting mad, right? Martha's in the kitchen doing the, getting supper ready. And Mary's out sitting and learning at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's like, Jesus, you need to send her in here because she's just not helping. And Jesus tells, tells Martha, he says, you know, she chose better than you did. She's in here learning from me. You know? And Mary, so, so Mary was able to be a part of the learning. And, and so he set that, uh, he, he turned things on their head really often. Slaves and free. He, he broke those dividing lines. And, and any divide, we make a lot of dividing lines in, in the church and in the world. And, and Jesus is about breaking those down. Breaks those things down. But, but hear this. Through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, the barrier between humanity and God was broken down. See, we could not get there without him. And he provided a way. Without Jesus, there is no way. With Jesus, the chasm is breached. It's filled. And that mystery allows us to fulfill this passage, which is another of my favorites. I get to bring a lot of my favorites today. This is out of Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And here this let this fall father let this verse fall do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind see we need to question and we need to ask and we need to engage i've been able to have some conversations recently with some folks and 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 the question, this is a dumb question, but they're awesome questions. And, and we get to learn so much in the asking. Ask. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, don't be like the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, study and prayer and all the things that that entails. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many parts, many members, and these members don't have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to one another. It's a big word, belongs to one another. That means we live life, that means we have karaoke night. 
means we have a tailgate party. That means we find opportunities to come together. It means we're going to main event with the youth. It means, it, it, it means we go and repair the duck's deck. It means we do things where we come together because we belong to one another. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of you. If your gift is prophesying, then what should you do? Prophesy. Absolutely. If your, gift, if your gift is serving, then you should serve. If your gift is teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, encourage, please, because the Lord knows we need a lot of that. If that's your gift, be, be active, because we need a lot of encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Whatever your giftedness is, show up. Show up, because the body of Christ is us together. It's not any one of us. It's all of us, and that's where the power lies. Real church, real church consists of each of us being who we are, living out our calling to the best of our ability, and seeking to honor God in the midst of it, to live that out. We're only able to do it because God took up residence in us. Did you know this? Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells within you? God took up residence in you. How crazy is that? God <laughs> lives in you. God is with you. God is for you, and he lives in you. I, I think that there's a, you know, he, he's wanting something. He's wanting to, uh, to us to engage and to live fully into the incredible offering of this world and this life that he gives to us because you are God's masterpiece, Katie. You are God's masterpiece. You are made in the image of God, and you're incredible. Jonathan, you're God's masterpiece. He didn't make you accidentally. He made you intentionally lame, same. It's God's masterpiece. You're God's handiwork, his workmanship. It's amazing what he does when, when you begin to think about who God is and that he cares so much for us. Let that fall on you to this week at some point if it's not falling on you now because it's absolutely incredible. But I want to finish by making what I think is a really critically important point. And it's out of Matthew 16. Beginning at verse 13, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they replied, some think John the baptizer, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he pressed them and he said, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said this, he said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus came back and said, Simon, son of Jonah, you didn't get that answer out of a book that was revealed to you by my Father in heaven, God himself. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are, Simon. You are Peter, the rock. And this is the rock on which I'm going to put together my church, my ecclesia, my people, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. This is how powerful the church is when we get this right, when we're real church, that the, the gates of hell cannot stand up against us. That's who we are. That's who we are. Who is Peter? Think about this. Peter was the impulsive one. Peter's the one that got out of the boat to get on the water to go out to it. Hey, you're walking on water. Hey, I want to go do that. Can I do that? Please let me out and I'll go do that. He hops out of the boat and what happens? He sinks. You know? Peter's the one that says, even if they all deny you, I will never deny you. Right? Three times. This is Peter who we're talking about. Peter's the one in the garden who takes his sword. They're arresting Jesus. He cuts the ear off of the guard. 
That's who Peter is. He's impulsive. He's, he's petulant. He's rash. Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet. And what does Peter say? You will not wash my feet. And Jesus says, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. If you don't let me do that, then you have no part. And, of course, Peter, being the shy, reserved one, says, oh, well, then dump the water on my head because you need to wash my whole body. That's Peter. Peter was the epitome of imperfect. That's who Peter was. And this Peter hung out with Jesus. Jesus was not shocked that this is who Peter is. And you know what he did? He founded the church on the rock that is Peter. See, oftentimes we think that we got to get it perfect, that until we get it right, that God can't use this, but God makes beautiful things out of dust. You can sing this or just let it sit with you. All this pain, I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life could really change at all. All this earth, could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come up from this ground at all? You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of us. All around, hope is springing up from this old ground. Out of chaos, life is being found in you. You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of us. You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of us. You make me new, you are making me new.
You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. He makes beautiful things out of broken things, out of imperfect things. Consider this. Let me do this. If we embrace this idea of being one as the Father and the Son are one, if we're going to do that, then we need to recognize that we're not all going to look the same. Thank you for the sermon illustration. We're not all going to come in looking and being the same. But you know what God will do with that? He'll make something beautiful out of it. That's who our God is. That's how he loves. Peter was not perfect. Have you ever felt like you had to get your life together before you came to church? Because I have. You know, it's like, oh, I'd go, but, you know, I got this and I got that. Jesus says this morning, I'm sure of this. He says, just come. Just show up. I'll take care of the rest of that. Because if you're feeling that way, that's not, not the real church that I founded. The real church that I founded said, I love you. And you can be who you are. And I will work with you on whatever it is that needs to be changed. You know who Jesus hung out with when he was here on this planet? He hung out with the non-churchy people. He didn't exclude anybody. He hung out with Nicodemus and other Pharisees. If they came to him, he had time for them. But you know who he primarily hung out with was non-churchy people. He didn't hang out with the pastors. He took us to task is what he did. But he hung out with tax collectors. Matthew, one of his disciples, fishermen prostitutes. He hung out with those that that the world looked down on. People who were not perfect. That's who Jesus I was going to say primarily. I think he loves everybody, okay? But man, if you're feeling less than or you feel like you don't fit, he's here for you. He intentionally chose intentionally chose to build his church, his ecclesia upon Peter, who was obviously imperfect. And what did he do? He said, I'm going to build my church on you. So if you have that stuff going on inside of you that I got to get it perfect, just don't. Just keep showing up. Because I would hazard to say that we're actually, given that Jesus created it on Peter, who was imperfect, we're supposed to be imperfect there's only one who is perfect and we rely on him to help lead us and help guide us because we always want to strive to the goal the goal is to become one as the father and son are one to become one heart and mind just as you father are in me and I in you so that there might be one heart and mind with us God is with One more thing I'd like for you to do for me this morning. Say, God is with me. Would you do that? You ready? One, two, three. God is with me. Because he is. And the incredible thing about being the real church, if we embrace this idea that we don't have to be perfect, but we strive for being the best that we can, then we just might find out that a group of imperfect people can change the world. In fact, 
was a group of imperfect people who did change the world and will again. Let's be who we are and be who we are for him. Amen.